0: Welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Kennedy, and I'm here to help you become the very best version of yourself. What is up, guys? Welcome back to this week's episode of the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast, Um, and I am absolutely pumped for today's conversation. We're very fortunate to have Hugh Van Kylenberg back on the podcast the second time. First time round, we, uh, we it was a COVID episode, so it was via Zoom. But um, I'm absolutely pumped to have him back on today. So, Hugh, welcome to the show, mate.
1: Thank you, Danny. I do foresee a couple of issues with this episode. Uh, the main one being, I know you'll probably want to talk about like my stuff, like wellbeing stuff, and maybe the book that I I really want to talk about. That's some. right. You did write a book, didn't you? I did. Yeah, I, I heard did. about it. Yeah. Yeah, but I. Know. <laughs> but what I. <laughs> I just want to talk about fitness stuff, so I don't know how oh, right. this is
0: going to go. Like, I just... It's just a reverse psychology. You tell me you come in for a chat, but it's just a <laughs> free consult, is it? <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. <laughs>
1: no, I just, I'm so, like, I don't know. In fact, it is, it is quite related, though, to, like, like, like both our topics that we... Because I feel... Like so many people come up to me and will say, like, oh, a friend of mine struggling with this, or, or maybe I'm struggling with this. What do I do with anxiety, depression, whatever it is, and... I'm not a psychologist, not a psychiatrist, but I do feel like I could solve most people's problems with a pair of runners and just say, "Take these away and wear them out." Or so true. Or I just feel like so many people I talk to who have really struggled. The key part of their recovery has been, I don't know, they've got into triathlons, or they've really got into the gym, or they've got into cycling, or they've like even on a smaller
0: scale. Even on a smaller scale, like you think about having a shit day. You go and do the workout, which you badly don't want to do. And regardless of how good of a workout is, you leave there feeling 10 times better.
1: It's so – it is, yeah. Like we were saying this before we started, but like for me now, at the moment I'm doing watt bike training. I don't know if you've done much on the watt bikes, but like I'm on those at 6 in the morning. Yeah. And when my alarm went off this morning, I was just – I was like, I can't do this. This I hate – why am I doing this to myself? Mm. But I managed to – I always have like a pre like the bike's out and ready, all my clothes are ready to go (laughs) – banana there, water there. So it's all set up. So I just have to stumble there. I think it's yeah. like, just get downstairs, just get downstairs mm-hmm. and then you're on. And it just, every day, if I've exercised in the morning, my day is so much better for the rest of the day. Like not even, it just feel amazing afterwards. So
0: yeah, it's incredible. I uh, I was actually talking about this with a friend recently in regards to even tracking my macronutrients with my nutrition. And, and then obviously in turn, like the, the training is usually kind of paired with that as well. But when I do those two things, well or put some focus on those two, everything else in my life improves, like my sleep, work, the motivation to get podcasts done, like everything, hydration, even just like relationships with friends. You're just so much more of a positive person, I think, when you have that momentum across all areas.
1: Yeah, like a little bit of focus on something, like my thing is athletics, I love track and sprinting Mm. is my thing and I'm not unbelievably good at it. Yep. And in fact, I have oh, to compete well, against. <laughs> I'm not sure about that. Well, I have to compete against. I never feel like I'm good because I compete against 20, 21 year olds and I'm 41. Yeah. That's sort of where I. And, and I like my race, the last race I did, I lost. I came out comfortably. Like, and I always, but like I just felt after I was like, I'm just so proud that I did that and yeah. I've done something so hard. Mm. So when something else pops up later in the day that's hard, you don't actually say, well, I did that so I can do this. But I think there's something subconsciously where you go, "Yeah, I've done that. Like I'll knock this over as well. I've, I've made. A, I've, I've done something really tough this morning, or mm-hmm. and, and I'll and I'll knock this over as well.
0: I agree. Uh, I'm not. I can't remember whether we spoke about this in our last conversation um, on the podcast, but the, the the cold shower in the morning. I reckon we did actually, or we, we at least talked about it afterwards. I remember you you were telling me yeah. about it, but that for me is the that's the that's the thing that gets me through all the hard shit throughout the day. So like, I'll get up first thing in the morning and. 99% of the time, the last thing I want to do is get in a cold shower. But I'll do it because I said I wanted to do it. I said I was going to do it. And then just the power of that that cold shower as soon as I get out of bed, the rest of the day seems like a breeze. Like all of a sudden the to-do list or the big big, scary task that needs to get done, the momentum you carry yeah. from something as simple as having a cold shower is incredible because it's something you said you're going to do, you didn't want to do it and you did it anyway. So yeah. you just carry that momentum and it goes – Across across the board for the whole day.
1: Do you make um, involuntary noises when you're having a cold shower? Like, yeah, it depends who's up. Yeah, Because uh, okay. <laughs> I, I I did it for a while. I did it last summer. Yeah, and I could do it in this <laughs> weather at the moment. But when it gets to winter, I'm I'm no chance. But no good. The noises that like
0: I honestly like what gets me is uh, where were we? I went, when I went back to uh, I went back to Horsham for Christmas. Yeah, and turns out their water's colder there. I reckon it's <laughs> a bit colder than what it is in the shower here because I was pretty, I got pretty comfortable. I was getting to the point where it wasn't too bad and the water was fucking freezing there. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's just that thing, uh, like we were saying before, it's just getting the, the non negotiables. I talk about them, um, quite a lot. I yeah. was on the podcast yesterday with the girls from Kevin Cleaner and we were talking about this. Like if you can just build up that doesn't have to be big, but just a small list of non negotiables that you do every day, the small, you know, minute tasks that, that you probably don't really want to do, but you get to the point where it just becomes automatic. It becomes a habit. It's just crazy the flow-on effect that that can have on on other areas of your life, particularly your mental health, I think.
1: Totally. I mean, I've even noticed a difference between training because a lot of my running I do after work. Yep. Because I've got two young kids who can wake up around five in the morning sometimes. And yeah. so you can't plan and go, well, I'll train at 3.30 just to make sure. Well, <laughs> like yeah. I can't anyway. There's no way I can do that. So, But they've started to sleep in until 7, both of them. And in my head, I'm like, well, I could start at 6 and get like an hour in. I feel, I feel a lot different training in the morning than I do at night. So I train at night. I find it hard to sleep afterwards. I'm like, like in such a good mood. I feel yeah, excited. Yeah, endorphins, yeah. Yeah. And so but instead you have in the morning. I mean, you know all about this. But like, mm. yeah, anyway, I'm probably laboring the point here. But – yeah, no. well, come back to my original point. Is I would love to talk about exercise with you today, and you probably Fantastic. want to talk about wellbeing stuff. but I've done uh, a good job of
0: it so far. Yeah, <laughs> really hijacked, yeah. uh, mate. Since we spoke last, obviously, you know, we'll, we'll we'll touch on a number of things today. But obviously, since we spoke last, it, the the COVID situation has continued to drag on and on and on and on and on. Um, and you know, the content that you've been putting out with the podcast and through the business and whatnot, no doubt, has helped so many so many people but um obviously recently the, the new book that came out let go uh which uh which is you know one of the things i did want to talk about okay. on today's show which if you don't mind i'll, I'll bring up at some point okay. yeah if you have to um i uh, i read that as soon as i got that book i, I read it um in a day and I'm, i'll tell you this i usually listen to audio books because i fucking hate reading and, and yep. i usually like no matter how interested i am in a book i fall asleep within about 20 minutes i could be first thing in the morning end of the day middle of the day i'm the same sitting there reading a book i don't know what it does but it just knocks me out um but i got through yours in a day wow um and and very similar to the resilience project um which i just absolutely loved along with every single other person who's read it so how was uh what i was actually thinking about while i was reading it is obviously um we'll touch on some of the the topic in in the book at some point but throughout COVID, was it was it hard to to write the book when when everything else in in life was so kind of thrown off and whatnot was it hard for you to to actually write the content and and put enough kind of mental bandwidth towards it to, to give your best content in the book
1: I, I don't know how it happened last year I just I it was like a blur and I the amount of times I said to myself this is a terrible idea writing this now like because in my head in 2000 into 2000, 2019 Penguin, like, we'd love you to do another book. And I said, I've got nothing. Like, I've done – I've told you every story I've got. <laughs> tapped out. Yeah, there's none left. So yeah. thank you for the interest, but I've, I've got nothing left. And then when COVID happened, I started seeing a psychologist because I found myself battling for the – like, you know, I was 40 when COVID first happened. I remember thinking, I don't think I've ever struggled like this before. I feel yeah. really shit. Like, I yeah. feel genuinely unhappy and flat. And, and then I started to get anxious about that because I'm going, oh, hang on a minute, every day I'm doing an interview – on the radio on the tv saying this is how you cope this is how you cope yep. and i'd hang up the phone and go you are so full of shit like you're not coping why are you telling people how to cope um and then when i spoke to my psychologist about it we started working through it all and and um i think i first admitted it it was dave hughes on his breakfast radio show okay yep it was seven in the morning no sorry it was a in the morning interview and i'd had two and a half hours sleep so our kids weren't sleeping it was winter in melbourne it was just gross yep. and Great headspace then. Yeah, I was just yeah. so flat. And then, but I did the whole thing. This is how you cope, this is how you cope, blah, blah, blah. And then he said, hey, um, how are you going? Because his family is in Sydney, uh, We're in Melbourne, he was in Sydney. So he had okay. a bit of empathy for people in Melbourne. And I yeah. said, oh, I'm totally and utterly broken. And then like covered my mouth. I was like, oh my God, what have I just said? Yeah. To, like, I don't know how many people listen. It's probably a few. But the second I said that, I felt so much better. Mm-hmm. Um, and then through that, I started seeing a psychologist who started tell, telling me all this stuff that, I wouldn't have discovered if it wasn't for COVID. And I just yeah. every session we had, I felt like she was going. You need to let go. You need to let go of that. You need to let go of that. And that's when the title came from. But I I remember thinking to myself, if I ever write another book, I'm going to like find like a really nice beach house somewhere and just like you know the you know the movie Love Actually, where one of the characters yeah. writes a book from the river and it's like yeah. he's got like a maid like bringing him all his food and everything. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to go to a beach house. I'm going to write. and It's going to be amazing. Yeah, it was the. The process last year was the opposite of going to a beach house. <laughs> I was in my house in Melbourne and when the kids went to bed, that's when I could start writing. Right. When I'd cleaned up the house and it was like 10 o'clock at night and I'd write till 1 and then I'd like go to bed and think I'll wake up before the kids write for a bit but they would be up at 5. And so right. it was a, I hated it. It was just awful. Like it was just – but then part of me was like, well, that's kind of what this book's about, like how hard life can be mm. and that we just kind of – like life's always messy – and it's just what we do in the mess when we're in the mess that really counts. And yeah. so it kind of worked because a couple of chapters I wrote, I was so flat when I was writing them, but it kind of helped because I was yeah. able to put all my authentic kind of self into it. I guess.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's I don't know if you listen or watch much content by Robin Sharma or if you've read any of his books. You see the Five AM Club. Yeah. Yes. yeah. I've read that book. If you haven't read the monk who sold his Ferrari, I would I highly recommend no. it. Yep. It's uh, that was that was an absolute game changer for me. One of the first books I, I really actually read and. And was interested in and that's that's kind of what set me down the path of all the personal development stuff and whatnot but um he has this really good saying and i'm sure i'll fuck it up but it's something along the lines of like you know change or, or something that you're doing that's difficult is always hard at the start messy in the middle and then beautiful at the end so yeah, i think right. you know that that process of writing the book and and what you've just touched on now it makes so much sense like the fact that you were feeling that way while writing it probably helped you like get the message out there even more powerful than what it would have been if you had it felt great. But you know, if you had a wrote it, say twelve months down the track after you kind of got your mental space back on track and and you'd you'd been seeing a psychologist for a long period of time, you yeah. felt like you're in a much better space. Maybe it would have been wouldn't yeah, have been as really good true. of a message.
1: I think that's I think what, that's so true. What you just said it's a beautiful quote because I remember when it was such a blur, but it came out and the book was out, and I hadn't really. F- Felt excited. I remember thinking oh, – maybe it's because it's my second
0: book. I don't feel excited about it, but it's it's there. There you go, everyone. And I was – it was my first trip. I remember thinking s- that. I remember saw, I saw a post on social media or something, and I knew, I'd knew i spoken to you before, and you'd said it was coming out. Yeah. I was looking everywhere. I was looking on your page, and I was going, have I got the date wrong, or what's going on? There hasn't been – d- you haven't said much about it. I didn't it, even yeah. really post about yeah. it. I just
1: kind of well, – that's a weird thing I'm going through with Instagram at the moment as well. That's I'm having a weird relationship, not knowing what I should be posting what I shouldn't at the moment. But anyway, I remember um, – yeah, it was rough. The whole thing was rough. It was messy. We got it done. There was a couple of issues along the way with, couple, with a bit of the editing we did and I wasn't happy with a few chapters and, and disagreed, which always happens, but with the publishers on a couple of things. and we, yeah. Anyway, it was – but I'm not having it up my publisher. Penguin Random House has been amazing to me. But, um, and, and then the book came out and it was done and I'm like, yep, good, that's done. I sort of near the end of the year and, um, and I was in Sydney and I was walking past the airport and I saw it up on the stands in, in the bookshop at, at the airport and I got really emotional. Yeah. Out of nowhere, and it really hit me how. And I was like, it was a beautiful thing. I was like, yeah. oh, This feels oh my gosh, it's out there. Yeah, it's really good. That's amazing. And I saw a guy pick it up, and then he looked at red at the back and he just like put it back down and walked <laughs> <laughs> off pretty quickly. But apart from that, the <laughs> whole thing was, I was like, this Is I was gonna go, mate, what's, what's your problem? <laughs> um, um, but yeah, I remember that that's what you're talking about there. I yeah, think. it felt
0: really, yeah, it was really beautiful to see it there. Before I go on to the, the next thing I want to bring up from something you said before, um, what you, go, going back to the social media stuff, what do you, what do you mean by that? Uh, I, I think like I know what you mean.
1: It's just no. like I'm really struggling with, like it's an incredible marketing tool, but I worry that I don't want to come across like I'm showing off ever.
0: He, here's just, what I, Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Because
1: um, That must be hard for you. That must be extremely hard for you. It's
0: kind of like it's weird my my whole like perception of it's changed a lot as well like from both aspects like from gym stuff obviously you know like I, I put in the work to try and look a certain way or perform mm. a certain way so it's me just sharing my stuff but at the same time I'm very conscious of like I don't want it, my feed just to be filled with topless photos and all yeah. that shit because it's not valuable to anyone really yeah. but then on the other hand as well like I'm you know, like anyone else, I, I like nice stuff or whatever, but I don't really care about it. Like I don't care about material stuff or, yeah. or designer stuff. And, but I'm fortunate enough to have some stuff yeah. that is like that. Yeah. So I'm always a little bit cautious of that as well, like not making it look like I'm posting stuff for the sake of showing that I've got certain yeah. things. But what I wanted to, to talk about is, um, and I, I obviously didn't make this up, but this is like the approach that I follow with it now. And this is what I've said to a few people lately, um, is just documenting what I'm doing. With absolutely zero care of like how produced it is, like what the reception is, how many likes, how many views, blah, blah blah blah. But just documenting my my journey and the things that I probably wouldn't put any thought to, but for most people it might be something that they are super intrigued about. Or particularly in the gym, for example, like on my Instagram stories, for example. Mm usually that is filled with small snippets of clients doing certain exercises and I'll put a little caption with cues that I'm telling them to think about. Mm. So for me, it's nothing and it doesn't really make, it's. I've put it up literally like in the 10 seconds that I've taken a video, I've posted yep. a caption and just put it up and put my phone away. So it's really no thought to it. It's mm. not uh, edited but and all that type of content. shit. It's helpful. But it's helpful, right? Even, you know, and I'm not sure whether you did any of this, but even like, say for example, when you were writing the book, and I don't know if you're, you've got any intention of writing a third one, um, <laughs> but something like that, it's just documenting mm. the process or you know the moment where you feel like absolute shit just mm. getting the camera out and chucking on your story It's like i'm oh, i'm i'm writing this book fucking last thing i want to do right now mm. feel completely stuck and then mm. that's it i just find that type of content is just so relatable and mm. helpful for a lot of people yeah um and i i try and do similar stuff with training and and we we spoke about this on this podcast yesterday about how um like similar to how you spoke about before on the radio show, how you were t- giving people this advice, but you, you didn't actually feel the stuff that you were telling people yeah. that they should feel type of yeah. thing. I'm, I'm the same. Like, I mean, I said on this show yesterday that motivation f- for training and nutrition and stuff will come and go regardless of who, who you are. Yeah, And I'm very, very similar to anyone. You know, I'm consistent with what I do, but... Nutrition, for example, like I cannot remember the last time I've had a perfect day of nutrition yeah. or perfectly yeah. hit my calories and my protein yeah. intake or yeah. whatever. It just doesn't happen. Yeah, so I almost go out of my way to show that to share that. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. or, or if I'm out for a drink, you know, in the past, this is an example. In the past, and not that I have a, a big following on social media, but in the past, if I was out for a drink it's or whatever, pretty big. I would. Yeah, it's big in comparison to some people, yeah. but but like in the past, I would if I was out for a drink or if I was partying with friends or whatever, I would purposely never put any of that content on my social media because yeah, I was right. like, oh, I'm the fitness yeah, guy. Yeah, like people yeah, – yeah. yeah. it's kind of like making me look like a bit of a, a fraud here. Yeah. But now it's the opposite. I'm like, I know – and I say to my clients, if you love a glass of wine with dinner each night or every Friday night you like to have a few glasses of wine, I'm never going to tell you to cut it out because yeah. it's something you really enjoy and you wanna going to go back to it even worse if I tell you to cut it out completely. So – I try and lead by example and just show everyone the, the shit that I'm doing yeah. without trying yeah. to produce content. Mm. Like I don't try and make make posts. It's more so document what I'm doing and turn that into a post, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's I reckon that, it's for you that it'll just a, be a game changer, even with the podcast yeah. and the
1: – Yeah, I, yeah we'd, I mean with the podcast we're, we're, we're about to create a social media channel which someone cool. will do for us. But for me personally I, I feel like I spend too much time like I'll post something and then see what people who likes it and what the comments are and then yeah and I'm like why why am I doing this like is it for validation like am I doing this for validation or is it is this is this helping anyone this content I, I don't know and so yeah it's just I haven't been on it Instagram for about a month and I have to say I've I've really really enjoyed the month enjoyed off. it it's yeah it's been great and, yeah and um, no doubt when the year fires up and we're about to put tickets on sale for the shows for this year I'll, I'll go back on to post that it's just trying to work out. Like, am I sharing family stuff? Am I sharing work yeah, stuff? Yeah, yeah, that'd be a difficult one, yeah. So, I don't know. It's a, it's a, um, Yeah, social media is um, an incredible marketing tool for me. I mean, th- that's the reason I asked I you. post
0: even more. Yeah. Just post even more to the point where it becomes like anything else. You just know? Don't even think about you it. You go to the gym once a week and you spend all week thinking about the one day that you have to go to the gym. But if you go to the gym five, six yeah. times a week, it becomes just habit and you don't put any thought to it. I, I reckon if you just just posting more content without any thought about what – how Produced it is, or what the response is, it gets to the point where it just becomes super easy. Yeah, because I used to be quite similar mm. in terms of putting way too much thought to what was on there. I would delete something if it didn't get a good response, yeah, and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. But you're
1: looking at it going, No, nah, not enough likes not yeah, on that. <laughs> I can
0: take that one down, <laughs> hoping I <I'm> sorry. <laughs> in terms of um communication, um, yeah, you know, that's something that I think you're awesome at in terms of your, your writing style. I often kind of think of it as. similar style to someone like a Mark Manson or something like that where it feels like it feels like we're having a conversation like this and it's so relatable it's not to the point where you're kind of just reading it like you're reading like an essay or something Mm. it's just really easy to understand is that something that you reckon you've always obviously you speak on stage and whatnot but is that something you feel like you've always been quite good at
1: well the experience well I mean I I feel like I learned this skill out of necessity because and we might have said this last time, but when my sister was really sick, when she yeah. was fourteen and I was seventeen, um, all of a sudden, so my sister's mental illness, anorexia nervosa. All of a sudden, we had such a f- happy family, and then I felt like we weren't happy anymore because of my sister's mental illness. And at dinner time, that's when it was, we were, and, and like it was, we we're all watching and not eating, and then there'd be an argument that would start about food after mm-hmm. about five to ten minutes, and after a while, I kind of felt like I could tell really funny stories about my day and I'd get in first before the tears like I could tell funny stories and I kind of learnt that the power of storytelling like I could help like it's really hard when you see your parents as a kid as happy people and then all of a sudden they're not and it it really hurts like and I hated it and I didn't hate my sister but I was angry at my sister for that and I thought well, I'm the oldest it's my job to help mum and dad be happy here and I just started to tell these stories we used to watch videos of like comedians and I would I wouldn't Billy Connolly was mum and dad's favourite I wouldn't I'd watch him but I'd also watch mum and dad just smiling and laughing and I'm like half an hour ago you're in tears like this is so powerful and so I kind of that is where I sort of learnt the power of storytelling I guess to Mm -hmm. to really shift people's emotion but then very similar to you growing up in a sporting club like it was a football I played basketball and and cricket growing up a lot in a bit of football and when you go to sporting club, storytelling is like your currency like that's I don't know if it is anymore because now phones are kind of like people's attention for a story isn't as long as it used to be. Yeah. But I remember standing around – like during cricket when you're batting, is in when two guys are out batting, you're sitting on the side of the ground. Everyone's just telling stories. You go to the pub afterwards, standing around with a pint telling stories. Yeah. And that was kind of like your currency was storytelling. And I, my, my, my favourite thing to do – I don't get to do it much anymore – but going to the pub and standing around with a group of people and just pint in hand or whatever you're drinking and just talking shit, telling Talk stories – yeah. Um, and I feel like I, when I when people come to see me speak or they read the book, I want them to feel like we've just been at the pub talking or at a cafe drinking a coffee, whatever you whatever you you know, where, like wherever you hang out. But that's yeah. kind of the feel that I would like people to have. Certainly, when I'm doing up on stage, I know I can I can do that, and I hope that's what people feel. But when I wrote the book, I really wanted it to be. I I've, I felt like sounds a bit wanky, but I sort of felt like the second book I was trying to like write an album. It was like. What are 15 really great stories? And we wrote up about 20 of them. I had about 20 to go and then I sort of, with Penguin, we said here are the best 15, I reckon, and what order are these stories going and what are we yeah. trying to get to here? Um, but every single one is like, yeah, they're just stories. Human beings love stories. I was mm. reading, I get sent a lot of books now because of the podcast and, and you're, you're probably the same with mm. people who want to, which, which is great. And I was I got sent two last night and one of the books I got about, I read the first chapter and I was I didn't pay attention because it was, here's the statistics on this, here's the stats on this, here's what the research says on this. And the second book, it was just a story, the person's life story to start it off, similar yeah. themes. I was so into the second book and not into the first one because yeah. we remember stories as human beings. We don't yeah. – when I'm doing my talks, if I'm – When I'm on stage, when I'm telling a story, everyone's listening. When I start saying, here are the benefits of this, here's the benefits of this, here's the start," people start writing stuff down because they'll forget that. Yeah. So the more – we just love stories. We just love stories and that's kind of – I guess that goes back to my sister.
0: I'd say what I reckon would be cool. I mean this is the last thing I'll say about the social media stuff but I'd tell tell you what I think would be cool is uh, is something like that, jumping on like a live once once or twice, two, three times a week, just going for a walk or something and just telling a story. Yeah. Well something I, that something happened that week or something that, you know, may not have been in one of the books or something along those lines.
1: Yeah, well that's another one. Like it's called like it's called Instagram stories because they know how no one knows better how the mind works than the people at Instagram and, and we love stories. Mm. But I think the issue with Instagram stories being, you know, the ten, twenty second, thirty or so I so when I started playing at my cricket club, I don't play there anymore. It was Melbourne Uni – and when I started, you would sit around the pub and tell a story that could last five or 10 minutes, and everyone's in and they love it. And so everyone's like, My last training session, I went to the pub afterwards, and one of the guys said to me, One of the older players came back. So I'd been there for way too long. I think 18, 19 years, I think I played at the club for. Yeah. And one of the guys, one of the older boys said to me, What's your favourite memory from the club? And I was about to launch into a story, and there's heaps of young blokes, like 18, 19, around the table. And I just, I was like, I, I can't tell it. They won't listen. I'll, I'll get a minute and I'll check their phone. Yeah. And I started and I could see yeah. them all like going, fuck, this is going on forever. Yeah, was yeah, minute, yeah. I was a minute yeah. in. Yeah. And so I feel like our ability to just be patient and listen to stories is certainly – it's certainly diminishing, that's it's for diminishing,
0: sure. Diminishing, yeah. Just going back to the, the book writing process, mm. um, for the listeners and for myself, are you able to kind of run us through like how lengthy the process is and in, obviously you were doing it kind of after hours at night, but like how – Much time were you putting in, like per session, and and in total, like how long do you think it really took you to write your part? Not not including like all the editing stuff at the end, but the actual kind of core of it. Yeah, yeah,
1: it's a great question. The first book was really fast, like because I'd told the stories a thousand times before on stage, but this book I hadn't really told the stories before, so I started in February. Yeah, first week of February started and came out in December, first of December, the thirtieth of November. Sorry, but this one here. It is such a blur. It's so hard to answer that question. But um, I wrote down – I remember I've, I've got like a little journal book and I wrote down – I had a weekend where I just wrote down titles of different stories I could think of that I thought were really okay. interesting to people and then I just told them to myself as if I was going to tell them on stage because none of them I'd told on stage before. Oh, there's, there's sorry, the Hamish Blake story I had yep. told on stage but the rest of them I hadn't told on stage. And so I actually um, – Back then, we weren't in lockdown, so I was down at a beach house in Fairhaven. So I managed to kick it off the way I wanted to do it, but that was yeah. short lived. But I stood up in the lounge room, I was in a house by myself, and I started telling the stories. I was like, just tell the stories if people yep. were listening. Don't write it, tell it. And I recorded that, and then I listened to it on the way back to Melbourne. I listened to those stories. I was like, how do I want to change those? And then I, and then, and then I, um, there's a guy called Craig who, who helped me with the book yep. from Penguin. Um, kind of like he called himself like a project manager and I told the story to him and he recorded it and then he got someone to type it all out transcribe it type yeah, thing that, yeah. thank you transcribe that's what I couldn't think yeah. of <laughs> um, and then he sent it back to me transcribed and then I was awesome. look at it and go okay so and this is not really answering the question of how long it took but I do remember
0: oh, I love it, it's the process It's yeah, interesting. yeah yeah
1: so then I looked at it and then I said to him so here are 20 stories um, all up, this is too big as a book, but I, as, I don't want it to be this big. Um, we then chose our favourite 15 and he just said to me, and he's a ripping bloke and we get on so well, we're very similar and I just said, like, what do you like and which what, which ones? And he said, here are my favourite 15, I love yeah. these. And then we went, okay, I'll literally finesse these. And so the, I went away and then tried to change them from a story I'd tell on a stage into how I'd write them, how okay. they'd be written. And some of them, a lot of it, there weren't big changes to be made. Yeah. And then I'd send it to him to polish it up to go. Here's your. This is the grammar it needs to be probably this way. It needs to look. Needs to look this way. And so he'd make changes. Then he'd send it back to me again, and, and we'd go back and forth like that. Mm-hmm. The whole time there was a publisher involved who would would send her chapters. Sophie, who's just amazing, and then she'd look at it and say, "I'd take this bit out of here." There was a story I wrote about um, a woman who came and spoke to me after one of my talks who had. Um, cancer and, yeah and um, yeah, I remember that. And yeah she got me to sign the books for her kids to say how much she loves them because she didn't have much longer left to live and, yeah. she went, and it was a really emotional part and it was in I had it in chapter four for example oh, okay. and Sophie looked at it and she said to you this is like this is such a beautiful story don't let people maybe miss this because they get bored after two chapters we're going to lead with this and and I'm all for going with your most powerful story, but I, I was like, I think it's a bit too much. And she said, no, 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 it, it's going up front. And so mm. it went into the introduction and stuff like that happened. Yeah. So that's Sophie's job to look at it from a step back. But I, I remember, to, to answer your question of how long a chapter might take, I remember um, in July, it was very cold, very miserable. Our um, The Resilience Project office, is, it's, it's more like a warehouse really. Okay. And um, I, I, I had to get three chapters done. I, the contract I needed to get. I think it was seven chapters had to be completed by end of July or something, right? And I had three to go that I wasn't, and so I went in on a Thursday morning, and I pretty much didn't come out of there till Sunday, I reckon. Like I was was Uber eats. It was like in this dark room, like I don't know if you've seen the movie Beautiful Minds with Russell Crowe with that whiteboard, just like scribbling. Like I had the whiteboard covered, and it was like it just went into this weird place for four days, and came out of it with you know three chapters. And I remember thinking. This could be a pile of shit. Like I am not even stepped <laughs> out of this room. Like, yeah. Um, and but it certainly was enough to, to sort of. It, it actually was quite good, and we cool. didn't change it too much. But yeah, it's it's basically to me what I've learned over the last. It's like you get an idea or you, a story, and you're just like, how do I make this something that people will find entertaining and helpful? And and um, yeah, that that's pretty much it. And it can take a very long time. Other chapters can happen really quickly. The Hamish Blake chapter took. Half a day to write
0: Yeah Um, Uh, People often talk about Like flow state Yeah Right So what do you find Is is your Like how do you get Into flow state Or what's like Your ideal Environment Like for me For example Like I'm a bit of a weirdo Like I like sitting Like in a relatively Darkish place um, Typically with either Like one light or like a blue light type setting mm. a screen and then a bit of music whatever and I'm good to go. Really, usually early or late, early in the morning or, or yeah. late at night. That's just I don't know what it is. I just seem to be able to get into that state. Is there is there a specific environment or, or little thing that you like to do to to get yourself in that state? Well,
1: before I answer that, what like what are you doing when you're like what's your is there an activity you're doing? You're just listening to music or
0: are you just like it could working be or? you know replying to client check ins? It could be recording a podcast or so it's work or like writing content. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Okay. Okay. Yep.
1: So flow state for those who are new to flow state and I think uh, it's in the chapter that I wrote near the end called It's On, it's on Running. Um, I talk about flow state. So flow state is the activity and everyone's got it. We've all got it. It's the activity that when you're doing it, time is just it, it's, it's just irrelevant. You lose track of time completely. If someone stopped you during your flow activity and said, how long have you been doing this for? Your answer would be, I actually have no idea. Yep. There's research done with conductors over in, in the US and that stopped them and they would say how long have you been conducting this piece of music for and they would say oh I think like 15 minutes and it was like an hour and 20 minutes or something Yeah, like you lose yourself completely time is, is no longer a thing and it's when you're doing that activity if someone said what are you thinking about your answer is I'm actually not even thinking this is just happening like I'm yeah. just doing this it's often a, a task that is challenging but not too challenging for you because you do have a natural talent in that area so, for you, if it's writing content, if it's and a lot of it would be working in, on on fitness stuff, yeah, I like guess yeah, yeah. that's your thing. And so, yeah. when you get in that headspace, and in, and some people say it's the deepest form of meditation you can have. And the reason for that is your prefrontal cortex. I don't think it was wrong because I wrote about it, but it stops. It it, it it sort of shuts down, and that's where judgment and, and critical self talk and self doubt creep in.
0: You lose when, that track of time and space. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: totally. So that all goes. But then you also don't have self-doubt because a part of your brain that that, 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 that issues your, your self-doubt of like am I good enough to do this, I shouldn't be doing this, is this okay, it gets a rest, it just stops, it's gone because that part of the brain is not being used and that's a really lovely feeling. And mm-hmm. so for me, for many years it was playing cricket and then I had to stop playing cricket and then I realised, I noticed it when I stopped playing cricket, I was like I don't have a thing that gets me into flow and I miss it so much. Um, and then I, when I started doing these bigger shows where I'd go and speak in public – i reckon once every five or six shows i do i get it and it's i know this is sound might make, make me sound really weird but i actually feel like and often it's the opposite i'm like working so hard up there and i just can't get into flow and yeah but when i do the last time it happened was in um a venue at um adelaide entertainment center and this is what it feels like to me and basketballers will say it's like going on no Basketball will say he was unconscious. Is that basketballers you say that when they're talking about flow or yeah. in the zone or yeah. unconscious in the zone? Jazz musicians call it in the pocket. I don't know why they call it being in the pocket. For me, when I'm speaking, this sounds, it doesn't happen all the time. So I'm not like a genius like this, but occasionally I feel like I'll be five minutes in, I'll go, this voice kind of goes, oh, you got this. And I, it's almost like I walk off the side of stage and I feel like I'm watching myself. Like people say out yeah. of body, looking down yourself, yeah. I, that's what it feels like sometimes it's awesome. not often but it's the best feeling in the world because yeah. I'm doing something really hard. I don't have to think about it. Yeah. But mainly for me it's running. Yeah. Like now when I do training for mm. 400s, it's, that's, training takes two hours and about f- um, 15 minutes into the warm-up I sort of feel myself kind of like just like going – Ah, oh, this is just great. I'm not yeah. thinking. I'm um, just it's just happening, and people will know that. Like, if it's mm-hmm. if it's ex- a lot of people say for exercise, it's running. Like, first ten minutes, you might be like thinking about worries from the day, concerns you got niggles, or yeah. And then the next ten minutes, this is for people go longer distance. right next ten minutes, you're just like fifteen minutes. Like, oh, this feels really good. And in the last fifteen minutes, all of a sudden, you're having these like amazing thoughts. Like you're problem solving that. Even <laughs> your yeah, mind's yeah, yeah, yeah. you're just solving all these problems in yeah. your life, and you feel good about everything. And that's kind of what it so for me it's it's um yeah, it's 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 about having well identifying what you're really good at. but I'm not a very good runner, but to me it, it, it yeah, I just love it so much. Yeah. So yeah, but that's flow and it's it's a really important part of life. The older we get, the less likely we are to do it because we're so busy and we go I don't have time to if yeah. it's I don't know, play golf or garden, like I don't have time, I'm too busy, the kids are got to get here, or I've got to but we've got to make time for it
0: obviously in the in the book the a, a big part of the book is about um is around vulnerability yeah it's, it's a very hard word to say oh, i find it's very hard <laughs> to say it's basically <laughs> the whole fucking thing but no no i i, I understand Vulnerability. vulnerability. My, my,
1: my difficult word to say is pri- privilege i always butcher privilege, privilege. So,
0: yeah privilege my and girlfriend can't say rory she says rory rory, Can I, say rory. 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 <laughs> I thought that's a pretty easy one I'm like who's that Rory. <laughs> fuck off, yeah. <laughs> do you have a friend called Rory? Yeah, a client. He's a friend of both of ours. Um, anyway, what fuck was I even saying. Um, yeah, vul- vulnerability. Yeah. There we go. Um, have you found like since you've shared a lot of your own stories and I guess maybe even like your own struggles around that, um, that it's improved now? Or do you still feel like, you know, once you've shared the book and, and through the oh, podcast and whatnot, do you feel like you're still – Maybe not in the same areas, but do you still catch yourself in the same habits as what you did previously?
1: That's funny. It depends. Some days I'm great with it. Some days I'm like, you know, some of the stories, because I was just trying to write like a, a great book. So I'm like, what's the best stories I've got? And then put them all down and I was like, yeah, I'm happy with them. And Penguin said quite a few times, are you 100% sure you want to share this stuff? It's pretty vulnerable. I was like, yeah, it's <laughs> fine. Robert. It's a great story. People love this. And funnily enough, I didn't question it. But the day it came out, I sat up in bed in the morning. I was like, "Oh fuck, <laughs> people are going to be reading this shit. Like everyone's going to read this and yeah, know this." It sounded about good me. at the time. Yeah, it was <laughs> good when I was trying to like. It. But then I, I, I really panicked for a little while. But then feedback started to come back. The things I was really worried about, people started to say, write me messages, or I'd bump into people the street and I'd go, "That thing you said about your sister, I've been there, mate." I, I, and that connection with people who go, "I've been down. I've had the exact same thing happen." It just feel safe because no one goes. Yeah. Oh, I can't believe you fucking write that. What were you telling me that for? I don't want to hear about that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's the opposite. Everyone's yeah. like, "Thanks for sharing that. I needed to hear that because I've." And then, but some days I wake up and um go, "Oh God, I just like I've put so much out in the world." Like, but then other days I'm like, "No, good. I'm happy with that. I'm comfortable." Mm. So some days I'd, uh, yeah, I'm mean, vulnerability. Really, to me, and I wrote it in the book, it's just, it's taking an emotional risk, basically. It's And it's and it's a really hard thing to do, especially for us males, because it's a bit counterintuitive. Like, we want to come off, we've got everything sorted, we're strong, mm-hmm. we're tough. But we're not a lot of the time. And the more we pretend we're
0: not, the more we struggle. It's funny you say that about, like, you know, people aren't going to read it and then just be questioning as to why the fuck you would share that type of stuff. Like, I... I used to – I think a similar thing around like public speaking or even like the podcasting and talking on camera and stuff like that. Like when I first started doing it, like especially around the the health and fitness space, I'd be talking about something that I knew like in the back of my hand in front of a lot of people. Yeah, And I would get really nervous around it, even just taking big training sessions in front of a lot of people and whatnot. But then I, what I started thinking about is how like – all the times I've watched people talk, people like yourself or whoever, at any point in time, whenever I watch someone speak publicly, even if they were fucking horrendous, I have not never thought about it again. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I've never left there and gone, fuck, I went to this thing today. You should have seen how <laughs> shit this guy was at talking and how weird his voice sounded and yeah. all this stuff. Like, Because I would always think about that. I'd be like, even now, like I'd never listen back to any of the episodes because I just don't like listening to my own voice. But it's not because I'm – ashamed of it or anything I just don't like it but when I first got into it it was all around that it was like geez what are they going to be thinking about what are they going to be thinking of me like while I'm talking but then I just once I had that thought around the fact that I've never thought that when I've watched anyone else Mm. it's just completely gone now Yeah, I think that's it. just made such a difference. But then, I mean, you love doing this, don't you? Like, it's it's, I do really enjoy it. But if I may not have ever even given myself a chance to figure that out,
1: well, that's it. Like, it was a very vulnerable thing to do it in the first place. Like, extremely vulnerable to go, Well, I'm going to I feel anxious about people hearing me speak, but I'm going to do it anyway, have a crack at it. And then, yeah, it's and then it leads to connection. Like, ultimately, and the connections you've made with people, you know, the reach of podcasts, it still blows my mind, like, how many people. Oh You're it's reaching?
0: crazy. I, I spoke with um oh it's it's absolutely insane. I'm not saying this because I'm trying to blow my own horn or no, whatever no, no, the no. saying is. I fuck up every saying that I try and come up with. But <laughs> um, you know, this show is now about to pass like three million downloads. Wow. Which That's is it. over over a long period of time and stuff. But like to me, I was thinking I said this to um my partner Danielle the other day. It's just like mind blowing to think that like on the show this morning with Byron, had, we had a chat earlier today and uh I was talking about how, like, when I first started recording them, I would literally have my phone and I'd have the whole episode written in my notes. And I'd be <laughs> reading awesome. it, trying not to sound like I'm reading it, but at, at the same time, I was also a fucking shit reader. So it was quite, <laughs> it was quite obvious that I was reading it out of my notes. Um, whereas now, it's like I was saying to Jaden before we, we hit record today, it's like I don't – like, unless it's someone that I, I'm not too familiar with. Like, yeah. I, even when I record by myself, I'll just hit record with – pretty much absolutely no idea what i'm about to say and it just feels comfortable but it really does only come with practice but also at the same time like if i had have continued to you know beat myself up about this little thing that no one else was thinking it was just myself yeah would never have even got to this point and, you know met people like yourself and mm-hmm. the connections and stuff like that you get to make as you mentioned is just insane
1: yeah it's, it's just a great i mean you think about how many three million is like that's I don't know, it's 30 MCGs lined up. It's crazy. <laughs> you know,
0: it's, it's, is that right?
1: Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, my mass is a good Don't ask me I, about maths, <laughs> mate. <laughs> <laughs> I can um, count reps, that's why.
0: <laughs> that's why no sets will go past 15. <laughs> <laughs> if, you come, if anyone wants to come and do PT, you won't have to do any more than 15 reps. 15, <laughs> some more. <laughs> some more, <laughs>
1: yeah it's a it's a um yeah but that's what like you're vulnerable and then the reward is enormous
0: yeah in terms of uh all right you'll love this so let's talk about training for a little bit um because i know you absolutely love it like how much do you, do you think that it helps? Obviously, you talked about flow state before with yeah. your running and stuff, but when you are firing on all cylinders with your running and, and doing your resistance training and whatnot and, and you're eating well, like how much of an impact do you think that has on you know your speaking and your productivity with podcasting and content and all that type of stuff? Yeah. Do you actually – I know it's it's not cliche because it's, it's true, I guess, but a lot of people say it, but do you actually find that it does help a lot?
1: It is. I mean, for me, it's, it's um – I'm kind of pretending that I'm like this elite 400-meter runner just because I, I have a bit well, more time. Well, the times at. you're running it. ridiculous. Well, yeah, they're okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I always compare myself, I said before, the 20, 21-year-olds who are running 47 and a half seconds. Like, yeah. they're 46 and a half. Like, that's how I compare myself, which is stupid. But I need to stop doing that. But So just to give an example of how – like, to really answer your question. So all of a sudden, when Australia opened up end of last year, we were able to do eight shows, I think
0: it was, mm-hmm. and we went – um we came to him one night actually oh did you oh the one yeah we were sitting on the couch no. yeah we were sitting on the couch we're just about to eat dinner and danielle goes I'm pretty sure hugh's talking tonight so we just got a uber there and came in you it came? Good. yeah it was great oh. at, at the convention center yeah, oh, awesome. yeah it was that brilliant. Was, i, I love that one that yeah, was a good, yeah, yeah was i enjoyed really good. that one
1: um yes yeah, so i did eight of them and it was um adelaide sydney no was it wasn't sydney adelaide canberra sydney um where else did we go um, anyway, I can't remember it was, but it was, we got to quite a few venues and I just said to the people who book everything, I said, just like, we need to get into the city by 10 in the morning and we need to be staying within a 10 minute jog to an ass truck. Basically, that's my yeah. thing because I would go and do a session and it would be like two and a half hours and I'd eat really healthily and drink lots of water, have like a half an hour nap and just do everything. And there was a direct correlation with how good my running sessions were or how I felt physically with how well I spoke yeah and it's not a placebo like it was it's legit it, yeah it's absolutely like and i would i'd often say can we fly out the night before because i want to have a really good sleep because i don't get that at home with kids yeah and then i'll train and then i'll eat well and then i'll so it's, it's huge like i would i would directly plan the sessions the training sessions i wanted to do so it's something about speed sessions that, that knock me about a bit too much i think it's like You'd be able to explain this, but central I central nervous system yeah. and, and all
0: the yeah Cooked. completing all your glycogen and stuff, yeah.
1: Cooked like it's funny because the session will be and when I started doing this, I was like, Well, I'm speaking tonight and it's a big one. It's a big audience, so I've got to be on. So I won't do as much distance. I won't do I'll I'll do a speed session. And yeah. I think it was four sixties and two one twenties. Yeah. That was it. That's yeah. all I was doing. And I was in the green room beforehand. You exactly. couldn't stop yawning. Yeah. I was like, "What is going on?"
0: And yeah. then well, oxygen deficit. So you would you would often you would often uh, have this in the sessions that you do. But you know, whenever you do any type of like lactate threshold or, or anaerobic session, say for example, I got you in the gym now and got you on the assault bike and said, oh, "I want you to do a max effort of twenty seconds." Yeah, often you'll find in the minutes afterwards you just can't stop yawning. It's because your body isn't able to provide right. enough oxygen. There so that's go. why it makes you yawn, yeah.
1: Okay, well that's
0: so, and you I, block your ears and all that type. Your yeah. ears get blocked and yeah, stuff. Yeah.
1: yeah, Okay, so th- well that answers that because I was cooked after that mm-hmm. and I was so sleepy, but then the next time I was in I was in Adelaide and I did, um, I think I did, I did five three hundreds with about a, five six minute rest between them. Yeah, and like which is a much harder session I thought, but I felt amazing. Amazing, amazing. interesting, amazing. So yeah, it's about getting the sessions right, but I'm really obsessed with it and I, I almost sort of trick myself. It's this weird thing, maybe it's an insecurity, I don't know, but I kind of I almost trick myself that I'm going to Adelaide to train. <laughs> oh, and I've got to a talk afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> so if the talk doesn't go as well, I go, well, I wasn't there for that. I, was yeah. like, I don't put as much yeah. pressure on the talk. I'm like, <laughs> I'm there to, to run. Like, that's what I'm there to do. So, um, yeah, I just love it so much. And I'm, I'm just disappointed at myself for not being obsessed when I was a bit younger. A bit younger. Like when I had... In my twenties, I had so much time, yeah. and I had to, Where I could have really got into this, yeah. And I've never been more motivated. I'm right now, but then, like this morning when I got on the watt bike at six, I was like, I've got an hour of. T-, but the kids came downstairs at like six twenty-five, six thirty, and, and then now I'm making breakfast for them and yeah, yeah, yeah. getting ready for the day. I'm like, well, yeah. I've got half an hour. And I thought I had an hour, and yeah. And then I'd love to on the way home go and just do something, but I get to get, get home and help with dinner, so I don't. I wish in my twenties I'd been this motivated because it's I just motivated, yeah. yeah yeah. But so, it's awesome
0: that you're f- pursuing it now, though. I think.
1: Yeah, it's cool. I, I certainly feel like I'm proud's the right word. But even when I got my ass kicked the other day at Lakeside Stadium against all the twenty year olds, there's, there's a video on YouTube of it. And I like when like when they show the finish, I'm not even in the picture. Like, oh, yeah. like I'm not in it. You can see everyone else running, and I'm not in it. But the race finished and I was yep. just sitting there, and I was as you are after four hundred, disgusting feeling yeah, for yeah, a couple of yeah. minutes afterwards. But I was like. I feel quite proud of myself that yeah. I'm putting myself out because this is vulnerable to me, like running against people who are a lot quicker than me yeah. and trying to keep up and, and mm. I probably look pretty slow next to those guys but like I do feel quite proud at age 41 that I am yeah, doing this. I do, yeah. I, yeah.
0: This is a uh, way off topic. Do you, do you watch too much stand-up comedy? I know you talked about obsessed. comedy at the start. Yeah, I'm who are, obsessed. Who are, who's your top five?
1: Billy Connolly is my number one of all time Yep, because... You watch him, he, he doesn't tell jokes. He doesn't write jokes. He tells stories. stories They're always yep. stories. I was listening to him in the car on the way out here, actually. Like, just through... Yeah, i, I obsessed. He'd be number one by a mile. Uh, Ricky Gervais is probably number two. <laughs> yep. Have you got a top five as well? Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> Ricky Gervais is number two. I don't... It's very unfashionable to say my number three, and I, I think he's been cancelled. But I'm talking about him as a stand-up comedian, not as a person. Louis C.K. Okay,
0: yeah. I thought you were going to say... Phil Cosby there for a second. <laughs> going to say, fuck, mate, super vulnerable today. <laughs> Cut this guy. <laughs> no, I, no I,
1: purely as the a, as a, as a genius of stand-up Louis C.K. Yeah. Um, in fact, no, do you wanna, I'm going to make him fifth just to say. So, okay. He's yeah, yeah, lost a yeah. few points That's for probably. the stuff he's done as a person. So yeah. he's fifth. Uh, Aziz Ansari, um, his stand-up special on, on, um, on Netflix. Yep. Fucking unbelievable. Yeah. Have you seen it? No, I haven't. I have to it. It's just so good. So, him number three. Uh, Australian, there's an Australian in there. Um, maybe Becky Lucas. Okay. Maybe I love yep. Becky Lucas. Yep. Very, very funny, um, unique sort of style, brilliant. Um,
0: and then, yeah, we'll go
1: last, 50 Louis. <laughs> Louis. Is nice. Okay. How about you?
0: So, I, I'm obsessed with stand up comedy. Like, I love it. Like, like, before, prior to COVID, I was heading over to LA like, for a month or two, pretty much every winter. And I would literally go. I'd go by myself, like weeknights. I'd buy a ticket to the comedy store. I'd go there, sit there for three hours by myself, and just watch stand-up comedy. I fucking love it, right? Anyway, so, good. Um, so my top five, and one of these guys, I'm going to send you some links because yeah. he, he he is like the definition of storytelling comedy. It's the yeah. most hilarious thing ever. Top five would have to be number one at the moment, Theo Vaughn. I don't know if you've ever heard no. of him. So he, he's the guy that you need to out. Okay. I just think yeah. you will just froth his stuff. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's its just unbelievable. He comes from like Louisiana. So he's got like this pretty thick like Louisiana like accent. His dad was 70 when he was born. Oh, my God. So there's like absolute comedy gold already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he just tells stories from like his childhood and stuff. But and, and half the time, I don't even know if he thinks it's funny, but the way he says it and the way he pronounces certain words and stuff is just, just next level okay, anyway yes. he's unbelievable yep. uh another one which would probably in the category of of louis ck i guess maybe not as bad but um chris Leah oh yes yeah, he's yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah. one of the funniest okay, people yeah. on the planet i think um who else i think uh um who else is really good i mean jim jeffries he's yep. uh he's pretty he's funny i think he he's uh his thing on firearms is one of
1: the in America is one of the funniest things and cleverest things i've ever seen. Yeah,
0: it's good, isn't it? I mean, Kevin Hart, you can't really go past him. I think he's uh he's pretty funny mm. or very funny. Um who else?
1: He's uh, yeah, I was watching him on YouTube the other day and like the skill of what he does is
0: out of this world. Isn't it? It's uh who would have to be the fifth one? Theo. um I don't know, maybe Bobby Lee. Have you heard of Bobby Lee? No, you have
1: give me like four names here that mate, I don't know, know. Yeah, you'll be set. Just now send me a, a text while. message yeah, later yeah. so I can
0: remember them, please. Um, yeah, no, I absolutely love stand up comedy, so I just thought I'd throw that in there <laughs> just just for the fucking sake of it, I guess. Um, <laughs> mate, before we wrap it up, um, what's, uh, like, where do you see, like, what, what's your kind of goals for, I guess, over the coming year? I know it's a pretty cliche question yeah, and, and no, whatnot in the business. Wants, you want obviously want to grow the business and whatnot, but is there anything specific and maybe different than what it has been over the, the yeah, previous years I, that you really want to focus on?
1: I want to run 400 metres under 50 seconds. <laughs> That's what, just to go yeah. it's my priority. I want yeah. to do that. That's a massive one for me. Getting closer, but a bit of work to do. Um, but as far as work's concerned, um, we are uh, – uh, yeah I, The podcast we've really decided With Ryan Shelton Josh my brother And I have decided That we just get so much joy From this doing the podcast That we would like to Invest more time And money into it Yeah We, we are We're not quite the professional outfit that you are yet We're kind of Oh shit we're going to need To get an episode out In a couple of weeks We're going to film We're going to do something now And then it's like Mate Okay, well, you're doing a good job looking like you, personally. Um, but so we've put aside a day a week this year where Wednesdays are our podcast day and we're going to try and get batch recordings done. So, cool. and then Ryan's going to build a lot of content awesome. around the episodes. And um, so we've now got a producer and we've got a social media person and we've got a, someone to cut the videos. So we're going to, cool. which I'm really looking forward to. Yeah. When I learned so much off Ryan Shelton. I, I can't even begin to tell you. I like yeah. talk about comedians. I mean, he's. Not a stand-up comedian, but no one makes me laugh yeah. like Ryan Shelton does. Yeah, um, and to be able to work with him, I had two meetings with him this morning, and you know he's done what is it, fifteen, twenty years with Hamish and Andy of creating their products with them. I just learned so much about creativity, professionalism. Um, hard work all that kind of stuff and thoroughness and i mean for a show called the imperfects it's extraordinary how much work we put into making every episode as perfect as (laughs) possible Uh, but i look forward to that um and in the school programs i think we've got i think it's four hundred thousand kids around the country doing our curriculum every day and that to me i'm not as involved on the ground delivering those sessions to kids but i still you know i met with the education team today and and um I mean, that'll always be our bread, bread and butter at the Resilience yep. Project is school program. So, still very, very inspired by the work our team's doing there, and that—that's that, a just to reach as many kids as possible. I think is it's a very long answer to your question, but I think to continue to reach as many kids because fuck, the world's become a very difficult, complicated, and at times it feels quite a hopeless place. So, yep. trying to give kids strategies to deal with this
0: shit that's going on at the moment is pretty important. Fantastic you uh i really do appreciate you coming on the show again today mate it's always a pleasure to have a have a chat with you and um we'll have to get some training sessions in and maybe watch a bit of stand-up comedy sometime soon but we could do uh, that as, yeah. as like a
1: like a date <laughs> we just like mandate Yeah,
0: for sure we'll train go for a run Stand-up got a podcast to... <laughs> and watch stand-up comedy. Yeah, fantastic.
1: <laughs> no, I'm such a massive fan of what you do and, and the content you, you put out is amazing and it helps so many people. So it's it's great to be on here. So Appreciate it, mate. Thanks, thanks. a lot. And
0: and for everyone who is listening, um, if you haven't already read Hugh's new book, um, I'll have the link to all that in the show notes and obviously the Resilience Project. If you haven't um, read that, then what the hell are you doing? So make sure you, you get that done. But again, appreciate everyone who's tuned in and thanks again, Hugh, and um, look forward to chatting to you again soon, mate. Thank you, mate. Chat soon.